Hello, listeners. My name is Sean Bach, and today I will be speaking with Timothy Fairbanks, a parent in the Iowa City School District who has a younger son on the autism spectrum. Throughout this podcast, Fairbanks will go in depth on how his nine-year-old son, Cooper, manages the day-to-day life of having autism, how he handles it in school, his his experience on Zoom during the COVID-19 pandemic, and much more. So talk about your son, Cooper, a little bit. What are some of the challenges? Cooper's his name, right? Yep, Cooper's his name. Yeah, so what are some of the challenges that he's kind of dealt with um, throughout school and, you know, not just in COVID, but with kind of everything that he's kind of gone through with life? So Coop got diagnosed on the autism spectrum at three. We kind of noticed a little bit of a speech delay and his mom and I um, got him checked out. And initially when they looked at him at two, um, they said, you know, nothing's wrong with him. He's just a little bit slow kind of development. and. Um, you know, we think it'll progress everything else. He looks healthy. Everything else is normal. So at three, he gets diagnosed and um, starts into a a myriad of things, kind of therapies, various speech therapies and language therapies, because the biggest thing you want to do is early intervention for autism. So more is better, right? And the younger, the better, I guess. So at three, he was in there. We put him in preschool. Um, to be really honest, I didn't think he needed to go to preschool. His mother was very much for preschool. It was something that we kind of went back and forth about. Uh, he ended up in preschool. It turned out to be the best thing for him. That's where he got his IEP. So him being in half day preschool allowed him to get an individual education plan, which then coming in as a kindergartner. So initially, um, we had a little bit of an expectation of what the school could provide for him in terms of support. Um, the school had a little bit of knowledge about what Cooper, um, you know, needed in terms of schooling to help him be successful. And kindergarten was really actually a pretty tough year, um, just adjusting to a full day, not having quite the adult support that he needed. And then, you know, autism is a social skills deficit. I mean, it's a um, it's a sensory processing disorder, but sometimes you miss the social nuance of stuff, which is where Cooper's biggest um, biggest deficit is is in terms of like social nuance. Um, he would be probably what they would classify as Asperger's if that was still a diagnosis. That used to be, not, but now it's just all spectrum disorder and it kind of goes one through three and Cooper is probably a one. Um, he's pretty high functioning. He's a real independent kid. Uh, he doesn't understand sarcasm at all. Um, we're learning that now that he's kind of nine. You don't can't use sarcasm you have to be very cut and dry and like clear with um, everything and so in terms of school challenges um, sitting still and the classroom is just a challenge right because it's loud public school classrooms are loud and they're bright and they're geared to be exciting and energetic and high energy and for a kid that um, processes you know stimulation differently uh, that makes it a real challenging environment. So he does a lot of covering his ears. He does a lot of squinting. Um, he stimulates with his fingers and kind of fidgets, and that's how his body adjusts to the light. Uh, he hates writing, so executive functioning is difficult for kids with autism. And he, so he he is very thoughtful and he reads and he comprehends really well. But getting it from his brain to the paper sometimes is a challenging aspect. And then you throw in COVID, right? So now we're onto this like online learning thing where the teacher's not in front of you 
And so he's definitely not reading the social cues over the internet. Um, you know, he tends to blur it out. So he'll unmute his microphone and he's kind of learned the social rules now of like Zoom etiquette, but uh, that was sort of a challenge for him even in the beginning, right? He just didn't understand that you couldn't just unmute and talk over everybody else. Um, so different challenges than other kids have, right? Cooper reads really well. Um, he reads like a, a, almost a freshman in college. So, and he's reading like 400 and something words a minute, I think when they test wow. him. So he reads and comprehends like an incredible amount, but then presenting that back to teachers or standardized testing becomes a challenge for him because so it's, we have to figure out how to really carefully gauge what Cooper knows and what he doesn't. Because yes. speaking, you can oh, understand what he's got going on, but not so much writing. Gotcha. So I know you work for the school. What exactly is your role um, within the Iowa City Schools? So uh, in my professional career, which is, you know, very separate from my dad role, you know, ideally, it, it doesn't happen to be because I'm very lucky that both my kids go to the school, would go to the school that I work at. So I work at Cooper School. I get to see him on a daily basis and I, you know, probably have more access to his teachers than the average parent. Um, I don't know what the girls told you just about me in general, but my wife is a staff physician at the hospital. So uh, financially, we have some resources that maybe most families don't. Um, right. I, spent a, I spent a year not working at all when Cooper was first diagnosed, just taking him to therapy and getting him through stuff. So he's had a lot of support. Uh, in terms of what I do at the school, my actual job title is facilitator. Um, my background is as a social worker, so I'm trained in a whole bunch of different things, um, behavioral therapy being one of those, and then, uh, you know, social emotional learning and those types of things. And then there's some operations aspects of my job. So I oversee parasupervisors and implementation of IEP plans and um, sometimes things as menial as like, how do you get 600 kids through the lunch line and then back to their classroom all at the same day? Like all of those things fall under my job title. Yeah. So I know it's completely separate from, you know, your, your dad job, um, if you want to put it that way. But how do you think having, you know, someone like you who, you know, works under social work and then your wife as well, you talked about financially how you're able to, how that's been a big benefit, but how have you guys kind of been able to, uh, or how has that benefited you to have two parents or how's that benefit Cooper having two parents that, you know, have some sort of understanding and have maybe more of a knowledge than others would? So Cooper has all sorts of advantages, right? Just, you know, being affluent, he has two parents that have multiple college degrees. Um, so books and all the basic needs are met at home. So we can really, like, if you think of the Maslow's sort of hierarchy, right? Like Cooper is definitely pretty much at a constant, like working on his self-esteem, you know, being cognizant of the learning, um, understanding the public school system is a challenge, right? Like there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy that goes on. Um, the state laws surrounding, you know, special education and what can be presented and what can't and how much data has to be collected and how many times you have to see something um, is a tremendous advantage for my son. I mean, I don't know that I could describe um, 
the the level of advantage that that is for for my kid. Now, uh, on a day to day basis, like I don't have that really that much interaction with him. I try to, you know, he's now that he's nine, it's almost more like don't dad, don't talk to me, you know, at school because I'm doing I'm doing school with my friends, um, and he would prefer to not be that, but. Uh, to be really honest, the support that public education provides for kids for autism is is not stellar. I mean, compared to what we provide, um, you know, he had speech therapy, he had a speech goal, speech and language pathology, which is offered through the school district here. And uh, he saw that gal, his speech and language pathologist for like 15 minutes a day, um, three days a week. To, so that's what the normal kid is getting because that's what is like in your IEP, right? And to give you an idea of how much of an advantage Cooper has, so Cooper sees um, one individual therapist every day for 30 minutes. And then two days a week, he sees a separate therapist that is doing similar things to that for an hour. So Cooper is getting three hours compared to 45 minutes. I mean, if you're just putting a time frame on it, you know, what can you do in three hours that you can't get done in 45 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, so that's really the benefit then. Plus, okay. all of those special people talk to our people at the school. So there's just like this level of continuity of care um, that the average kid just doesn't get. Mm -hmm. And last question for you. Have you seen improvements with how the public schools and maybe your school in particular have kind of handled, you know, that the sort of like special needs education, like after COVID, I mean, considering that, you know, it was all online for a bit and now it's, you know, they've had time to really think about stuff or go over stuff. Have you seen any sorts of improvement or any sorts of uh, added benefits to it? Um, just in terms of like special needs for, so I can really only speak to, you know, what I see here on a day-to-day -day basis. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're, ver my school is very fortunate. We have uh, four separate special education teachers, um, ranging from real mild learning disabilities all the way up to kids that are profoundly affected and like nonverbal on the spectrum. And my school is able to support that range of disability. Um, so I would say that post COVID, like coming back, the teachers have been able to implement some technology that I think has been beneficial to the kids um, in terms of what they can do with video and conferencing. And, um, you know, I've seen some, some students who were online because they have been at home with a quieter environment have really uh, far exceeded um, what they were doing in a gen ed classroom. Uh, I think the push, you know, kind of statewide to go to be a gen ed student first puts them, you know, students like Cooper more with his peers and reduces some of the stigma around mental health and things like autism, um, disability. So in that sense, uh, post COVID life has been really good. Like I've seen great peer engagement because we aren't pulling those kids out of classrooms as often. We're, we're pushing in and doing more interactive stuff with them. Um, the smaller class sizes in the fall while they were like hybrid models, that was a very beneficial thing for some of those kids. I think uh, that like direct support from the teachers was beneficial. Um, I don't know that, you know, post COVID, 
that there's a tremendous amount of changes. They they did rewrite the state law that you know talks about restraint and seclusion, so which disproportionately affects kids that are disabled, um, and specifically kids on the autism spectrum. Uh, so there's been some of that that went on during COVID that you know remains to be seen how that affects uh, those populations. But I think in general that's a you know a benefit. Tim, well, that's all I got for you today. I appreciate the time. Thank you um, once again. I really do, really do appreciate it. And thank you all listeners for tuning in and um, seeing what Tim had to say. Thanks.